Hello and welcome to episode 30 of the weekly World Match Previews podcast we call the 10 to Track. It's mini previews on 10 of the most important soccer matches in the world as we define them. One versus two matchups from any league, big or small, anywhere on the planet. Uh, FA and League Cup matches get covered, international matches too. If there's a trophy on the line, and more importantly, if it's paramount where it's being played, chances are Noob is taking a look at it. I am your host, Soccer Noob, and I'm joined as always by my co-host and nine-year-old daughter, Person Noob. Hello! This episode will cover matches from Friday April 23rd through Thursday the 29th. Let's dive right in with... March number one! Thank you for kicking us off, daughter person noob, with the countdown duties. And our first match is a Friday match. We always keep things chronologically oriented here. We're going to start off with the Major League Soccer in their relatively young season, just a couple games in. And uh, we've selected a regional rivalry to mini-preview. It's New England Revolution taking on D.C. United in the Eastern Conference. You can catch this, by the way, on ESPN+, Plus, 8 o'clock Eastern, if you're so inclined. A little bit about each. Uh, New England, some of their credentials. Uh, they won the U.S. Open Cup. That's uh, sort of our FA Cup for you European footy fans. In 2008, in 2007, they won something called the North American Super League, uh, with which I had previously been unfamiliar. It was an event that only ran for like four years, uh, sort of a standalone, and it was between several MLS teams every year and several from uh, Liga MX in Mexico. Uh, they've won the Eastern Conference twice, but not since 2005. This year, uh, the first match that they have played, they had a draw. They had to travel to Chicago and managed to stay even there. Uh, last year, not that strong. They finished just eighth place of uh, 14 teams in the Eastern Conference. That said, they did have a nice run in the playoffs. They nearly made it to the title. They lost in the semifinals to eventual champion uh, Columbus crew, and actually, that's the best finish they've ever had. Uh, statistically, they were down on offense. That's where the issue was. They were only number nine in the uh, conference, but they did have tied for the fourth best defense, so that is where their strength is, and so, because their team MVP is still with them and plays goalkeeper, uh, I would recommend focusing on Matt Turner if you're just going to pick one player. He was a top 10 goalkeeper in the league last year, and he got to appear just this year for the first time for the U.S. men's national team. He kept a clean sheet and friendly against Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, meanwhile, coming to town, DC United, uh, they won the CONCACAF Champions League, but that was way back in 1998. They have won the MLS Cup four different times, but not since 2004. You're probably detecting a theme here. These are very, very good historical teams that haven't had a lot of success just within the last, say, decade. Four supporter shields. That means the best record overall between either uh, between the two conferences. But they uh, lasted that in 2007. Uh, the most recent success they've had. They hosted the U.S. Open Cup trophy uh, four different times. Actually, most recently in 2013, they got off to a very nice start, beating NYCFC at home two to one. Last year, they finished just in 13th, second to last place in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they had the, only the number 10 offense, and they were even worse on defense. To be honest. 
honest. Uh, best player that they might have going, I'm going to say Junior uh, Moreno. He's from Venezuela, central midfielder, and he's actually been playing for their national team since 2017. I know Venezuela isn't one of the very, very strongest teams down in South America, but Comable ain't too shabby all the way around. And as a fun side note, last year playing for them was Paul Areola, a midfielder. He has been on loan to Swansea City of the Premier League this year over in England. Just made a couple of appearances, though, and then he had some sort of injury. So his loan spell is officially over there. I know he's going to be hurt for like uh, between a month and a month and a half. And when he gets done, we may very well see him back in a D.C. United jersey. Match number B. First of all, a quick correction. I realized that I said that first game was going to be a Friday game. That is, in fact, a Saturday game, as is match number B. Now, you might be asking yourself, self, what exactly up is with number B? Well, think about it. Number two, ugh, I feel uncouth just saying it. It's bathroom talk. So, as Person Noob has correctly re-reminded us, as she does every week, uh, out with number two, in with the quiet revolution that stands for number B. Feel free to use it in your life. In any case, the match comes to us from the AFC Champions League, where at least in the western half, they uh, subdivide things geographically for this, uh, they are halfway through the group stage. Now, the winners of each of the groups uh, are going to advance, as will the very best of the runners-up, whichever one has the most points and then other tiebreakers. So, your matchup here in the group stage is Istiklal out of Tajikistan versus Al-Hilal, your favorites from Saudi Arabia. And Al-Hilal have a little bit of a built-in advantage. Uh, because of COVID, they're trying to restrict things geographically, so they are hosting all the games, no away games for them for this particular group. Uh, Al-Hilal uh, beat them 3-1, to one, in fact, just a few days ago. So this is their second matchup inside of roughly a week. Uh, here's how uh, the group table stands. Group A, Halal lead by three, and then uh, Istiklal are tied with AGMK, which is uh, the big shot out of Uzbekistan. Um, AGMK actually has the better goal differential, but in this competition, it is the head-to-head -head that matters, and Istiklal beat them 3 nothing earlier. Uh, that said, I have a feeling this is still the last hurrah for Istiklal. They're going to be a serious underdog. Let's learn why little bit about them. Well, they are one of three teams in uh, Tajikistan's top league that play in the capital of Dushanbe. Uh, they are the Lions, by the way, and a very young club founded in just 2007. Now, Tajikistan's top flight is only rated number 17 out of 46. Now, it's above average, but I pointed out for this reason. Uh, you don't have to go too much deeper into the AFC League coefficients or rankings to start to find leagues that don't even send teams to the Champions League. They send their champions to something called the AFC Cup, which is a little bit like the Europa League in that it's a secondary international competition, but it's described or defined as being more for, quote, developing soccer nations, end quote. So in other words, poorer, or if you're talking about a place like India, just someplace where uh, footy isn't quite the number one sport just yet. Tajikistan is kind of right on the border there. I think their second place team still goes to the AFC Cup, in fact. Point all being that this is one of the lower, if not the lowest seeded team remaining in the western part of the competition. Now, uh, they were the 2020 Domestic League champions. Uh, nothing to say about their league season this year. The league is only a couple of matches in, and because of their involvement in Champions League, Istiklal hasn't played any league matches this year yet. 
2020, the Champions League, they won a preliminary round match, the second round, but then they lost in the playoff round, which is the one that comes right before the group stage. So they got very, very close. Uh, domestically, they are fabulous. Nine league titles to their credit, and they are the seven-time defending champions. I'm a little bit bears coming into this one, even as a noob, not just a character, it's my life, that I didn't know more about them. Uh, let's see, last year they won the league by 10, and it was an abbreviated 18-match season, so that's quite a lot. Their goal differential says it all. Just astounding. 61-4 and 11 conceded. Uh, twice as many goals scored as their opponents, and only half as many allowed as the next best club. Just amazing. Uh, this uh, success is largely recently due to, and I'm going to butcher his first name, but I know the last name. Uh, they've got the uh, second best league score from last year. Uh, Manu Checker Jalioff. Uh, he is a forward. If you're a footy fan of in Europe specifically, oh, you I'd really be impressed if you knew his name. In 2009-2010, when he was uh, more or less starting his career, he played for the B team for Lokomotiv Moscow. Pretty obscure, but I do like to look for those European and even occasionally CONCACAF connections. Uh, now, internationally, this team is not without some success. They won what is now the AFC Cup back in 2012. I think it was called the President's Cup then. And then since then... They have finished runners-up two different times in the AFC Cup. Now, the buzzsaw that is all halal, they play again out of Saudi Arabia, Riyadh. This is the number four rated league in the entirety of the AFC. Three Champions League titles to their credit, and they last won it in 2019. 16 domestic league titles, 2019-20 league winners. Uh, now, uh, as opposed to Tajikistan and Saudi Arabia, they're uh, also in full form because uh, they're nearing the end of their league season, and they have the second-best offense and defense in that league. They also get to boast number one league scorer Bafatimbe Gomis. He is a French of Senegalese descent, a striker, 35 years old. Uh, he started his career with St. Uh, Etienne in uh, France's League One, but he's also played with Lyon there, and then he's uh, really got quite the... Uh, the CV, he's been around quite a bit. Swansea City, uh, Marseille, once again, League One, and uh, Galatasaray in Turkey are all big clubs that he's been with. And he played for the national team in Saudi Arabia from 2008 to 13. Another thing, uh, just sort of an interesting side note, not that we want to smile about it because it's a condition, but uh, I think most folks believe he has something called reflex syncope, which means at times of stress, which during matches when he's physically exerting himself, that qualifies. Uh, this guy has a tendency to faint quite frequently. So just an interesting side note. Tied for number two in assists in the league this year in Saudi Arabia, Abdullah Alhamdan. He's a forward. Uh, the other end of the age spectrum, just 21 years old. And he just came over to this team from another pretty good one in Saudi Arabia, Al-Shabaab in February. And despite the fact that he's only 21, he's already got 11 national team appearances for Saudi Arabia. And then they've got a very good homegrown goalkeeper, Abdullah Al-Mayouf, 34 years old. Now, uh, unlike the first guy I mentioned, he has spent his entire career in Saudi Arabia. This is his second go around with Al-Hilal, and he did so, uh, do some time with another excellent club from there, Al-Ali. And uh, he participated with the national team there from 2010 through 19. One final side note for Al-Hilal, MLS fans, if this name rings a bell to you, but you don't follow Asian football too closely, it may be because you're familiar with, I think he was the 2018, hope I'm getting my year right, uh, MLS MVP, five foot three, super spark mid 
outfielder Sebastian Giovinco. He played for Toronto, of course, for a while. And then when he left, this is the team that he ended up going to. So if that rung a bell, that is why. Match number three. We stay on Saturday and head to Europe for a Wales Premier League matchup. Uh, this is just the number uh, 51 rated league in UEFA out of 55. Now, this show promises to do the biggest, most important matches in the world, and I stand by that. This may not be a league that produces any Champions League winners necessarily, but this match is important where it's being played, and Noob loves to go everywhere. So 51 out of 55, but we're still going to do it. That's down four from a year ago. They're getting passed up from by some very small countries. Uh, Kosovo, Faroe Islands, Northern Ireland. But in any case, we're still going to have fun covering it. They've only got six matches to go here in the regular season. Uh, the matchup is number one, TNS, versus number B, Kana's Quay. Uh, they are tied in the table on points. TNS have a, a handy goal differential advantage. They lead by 19 in that department. Uh, Bolatown is in third place, but they've been all but mathematically eliminated. There's uh, less than a 1% chance that anything is going to happen there. Now, this league, like a lot of leagues, divides uh, into to two halves partway through the season into what they call championship and relegation rounds in Wales. Uh, they play a double round robin once they have split up and they're in the midst of that right now. Uh, these two teams will play a fourth time on May 1st. I nearly skipped a covering uh, this time and I was going to wait for next time, but with them being tied on the table, it's just too good a matchup to pass up too shiny. I almost named myself soccer squirrel in a rebrand after the website days. In any case, let's learn a little bit about each. TNS stands for the New Saints, or one of the things it stands for. It's also uh, some corporate company. I don't know the name of it. Uh, now, interesting scenario. They play uh, They play in one town, but they essentially represent two towns. Oswestry, Shropshire in England, even though this is a Welsh Premier League team, and that is where they physically play, but they also represent, and I've been working on the pronunciation for this, Chansonfried and Mihain. And the letters look nothing like that to me because it's Welsh, but that is a, a small Welsh town. It's about eight miles away from Oswestry. There were two clubs a long time ago. The two merged and they play in England, but they represent Wales. Uh, this team almost made it to the Champions League group stage back in 2010, 2011. They were in the playoff round when they lost. 13 league titles to their credit. And until last year, they had won eight straight titles. Just amazing. I'll bet you'll never guess who it was that took their crown away from them. Uh, they have won seven straight matches, so they're on a real roll here. Uh, they've got the best offense and defense in the league. It's not even particularly close. They score almost three times per games on average, and they only give up one goal every other match on average. Uh, key player to look for, in my opinion, number two league scorer, Greg Draper. Uh, he was born in England, but uh, he uh, represents for New Zealand, and he has been with this team for a full decade now. Meanwhile, Connors Quay, the nomads, uh, northwest part of the country is where that town is located, about 24,000. Uh, they have been to the Europa League five straight times and have a couple of wins there. They have just one lone league title to their credit. And they are the defending champions. That's why this is such a good one. Number three, offense. Number two, defense. And uh, their best offensive player is a real veteran, a little bit longer than two, 37 years old attacker, uh, Michael Wild, uh, homegrown there from Wales. Match number four. Another Saturday match, and they are making sure 
that the trophy is nice and polished because they're going to have it there on site for this game, I am quite certain. Say hello to the Syrian Premier League. This is rated number 22 in Asia out of 46. Uh, last year, just as a side note, they abandoned their season pretty early on. Uh, this year is the first year that they're doing a split season. The first phase, they did a single round robin where the teams played each other, so 11 matches. And now they're in the second phase, which is a single round robin between the top half of championship in the bottom half of relegation round. This is the last match of the season. So everything is on the line here. And by the way, uh, I mentioned something about this in uh, match number B with the AFC uh, Champions League one. Syria is one of those leagues that oftentimes sends teams both to the first and second uh, international tournaments. They get one Champions League berth into the qualifying uh, playing round, and then they get one AFC Cup group stage berth. In any case, your matchup is number one, Al Ansar versus number B, Al Nejma. This is known as the Beirut Derby. Uh, if you are guessing that these are not the only two top flight teams in Beirut, you are correct, but this is the biggest rivalry there, and hence it carries the name. The table. Al-Ansar lead by two, so Al-Nejma, they've got to have a win to take the trophy. Uh, Nejma won the first match, one to two on the road. Now, I say on the road, uh, sort of in quotes, because I'm not 100% sure that that's right, even though that's what I found in the information. Because otherwise, I can't figure out why Al-Ansar is getting to host yet again. You'd think that since they played in the first round robin phase one at Al-Ansar that they would switch it around and this would be at Nejma, but apparently not. In any case, let's learn a little bit about each. Al-Ansar, uh, that translates from Arabic to the supporters. They are also nicknamed the Green Leader. They play in a district I don't know much about, including the pronunciation, uh, Tariq el Jadeda of Beirut, J-D-I-D-E-H. Maybe something in there is silent, not sure. Uh, this is a team that almost exclusively gets its support from the Sunni Muslim community, interestingly. Uh, internationally, uh, the Champions League twice, they have made the quarterfinals, but that was back in like the mid-90s. Uh, they've been to the AFC Cup a few times as well, never further than the group stage. Can't get to the knockout, Ryan. A little bit surprising. Uh, domestically, they have the record for the most league titles at 13. They won 11 in a row starting in 1988. And the last one they won was a little while back, 2005-2006. They've got the best offense and the defense in the league going this year, though. And number one league scorer, also, he's tied for number one on assists, Hassan Matouk. Uh, he's a veteran. He's got over 90 national team caps uh, for Syria since 2006. And if his name is familiar to you, it's because he is sometimes compared to Messi. He is called the Lebanese Messi by many, and uh, largely because he is a two-footed goal poacher, which I'm suddenly just realized sounds like a little bit of a mild oath. You son of a two-footed goal poacher. Ugh. We don't try to run things blue here. Let's move on. Al-Najma, they play in a different uh, district. And if you like your team's uh, you know, rough and blue-collar working-class areas getting represented, this is not the team for you. They play in a district called Ras Beirut in Beirut, which is a very upscale residential neighborhood. In fact, a lot of sort of the unofficial ruling families, if you will, uh, of Beirut uh, pretty much all live in this area. Uh, Nejma translates from Arabic to the star, which is, uh, and it was picked because it's a symbol of the Druze sect, D-R-U-Z-E, which I'm not too familiar with. I know that this is sort of 
of a large Abrahamic religion or sect. It's small enough that it's kind of outside of mainstream Christianity. It could be worth uh, going on a Wikipedia rabbit trail on your own for that one. I may sometime soon, but not for this podcast. They are also known as the Burgundy Castle, and they're undefeated, unlike their opponents today. But wait, they're in second place. Well, they've had five draws, whereas all in SARS only had, I believe, one. Uh, 2005, they were the AFC Cup runners-up, and overall have actually done better internationally uh, in Asia specifically than all Ansara's done, even though Ansara's the best domestic team historically. Uh, this team does just fine within their own borders. They have won eight league titles. Last one was 2013-14. Second best offense and defense running. Uh, players that I think are going to be key to look for, uh, tied for number five in league scoring, is Mahmoud Siblini, and then tied for number one in assists is Khaled Takaji. Match number five. And this is the first of our three Sunday matches, and it comes to us from England. This is the EFL Cup final, or you may more commonly hear it referred to as the Carabao Cup, and it is the uh, domestic cup of tertiary importance. Only the teams in the Premier League and then the next three levels down, the next three levels uh, being the constituent members of the English Football League EFL, compete for this one. There is something on the line internationally. The winner has the rights to go to the Europa Conference League. This next year is going to be the first year that that tournament has ever been played, and it is going to be of tertiary importance behind, of course, the Champions League and then the Europa League. Uh, right now, both of these teams that are going to be competing in the final will qualify for higher leagues, I believe. So... As things stand right now in the Premier League standings, this uh, would end up going to Liverpool instead. They're in seventh place. Uh, this is a knockout tournament, just like the FA Cup. Uh, the better the league that you're in, the higher your club got to enter in the competition. It's going to be played in a neutral site, Wembley Stadium, and you can catch it on 11.30 in the morning on ESPN+. The matchup, Manchester City versus Tottenham Hotspur. They split their regular season matches in the Premier. Uh, Manchester City, now they were uh, sort of hoping to get something called the domestic treble. They've all but got the Premier League title wrapped up. And uh, obviously they've got a pretty good chance of winning this particular trophy. That just leaves the FA Cup. But, alas for them, they lost in the semifinal at home, 0-1 to Chelsea. Still, because they have the Premier League wrapped up. I don't think they're going to be resting many, if any, of their starters. Why not go for a little extra hardware? Uh, they sport the number one offense and defense. That's particularly good in the Premier League. They uh, let in less than one goal per match. Uh, on the offensive side, top 10 in scoring in the league is a uh, German fellow that they have who I really like, uh, Ilkay Gundogan. He's a German midfielder. Uh, the name, I realize, doesn't sound German. He is of Turkish descent. Now, number two in assists, a name that all but the rawest of footy fans will know, Kevin De Bruyne from Belgium, a uh, midfielder. Uh, he's considered one of the best players in the world. It's because really uh, his passing and advanced, his advanced playmaking are what set him apart. Uh, I really like seeing players like this have that much success because he's not that big and therefore not that strong compared to a lot of his competitors. He's not particularly fast, to be perfectly honest, and he's uh, because he's not overly tall, he's not even very good in the air and yet there he is amongst the very elite and then the defense number one uh, goalkeeper in the league is Ederson he of one name from Brazil I don't know if he's the best goalkeeper in the world but he is the world's most expensive goalkeeper and oddly enough for Brazil he's only got 11 national team caps I would think somebody of his stature would have more 
Tottenham Hotspur, meanwhile, they are in sixth place in the Premier League right now. Fourth best offense, number seven defense, uh, number one in the league in scoring and assists. This is where they'll be focusing their defensive efforts from Manchester. Uh, Harry Kane. And then uh, tied for number five in the league in goalkeeping, they're going to need him to stand on his head, is Hugo Lloris from France. 34 years old. He's actually been with Tottenham for nine years, longer than I've really been following the sport. He's got way over 100 national caps. He's been uh, making those appearances since 2008. And if you're watching the game and trying to learn some things like I am, uh, he is in the largely German style, what is known as a sweeper keeper, uh, which means he comes off the line quite a bit. He's very good one-on-one. I think he probably could have played some other positions Besides goalkeeper, but uh, being over six feet tall, that was a great position for him. For no reason that I know of, producer, the management, has long since decided that Person News' random recording of a three-mew chime imitating Arcades needs to signify that it's time for us to take a pause from previewing the coming week's matches and do what we purport to do. That's actually track. Let's recap last episode's matches. Match number one was a Saturday match in MLS Montreal versus Toronto. Montreal won a shootout 4-2. Match number B stayed in MLS. LAFC versus the new babies in the household. Austin FC, unsurprisingly, LAFC came out on top 2-0. Match number three, where the stage title is uh, very much up in the air. America and Cruz Azul, and it's still up in the air. That went to a draw, 1-1. Match number four, we finally settled the second Copa del Rey in two weeks. The 2019-2020 version was two weeks ago, long delayed by COVID. This time we had the 2020-21 version, and that was Atletico Bilbao versus Barcelona, and Barcelona absolutely took them to the shed, winning 0-4. Lionel Messi had a brace, Frankie De Jong and Jordi Alba had two assists each for the winners. Match number five, we went to Africa, specifically the nation of Guinea, for their championnat national. Number one, Wakria taking on number B, S-O-A-R, Koya. And it was Wakria coming out on top handily, 4-1. That, in fact, dropped to S-O-A-R all the way down to number three. Sunday, match number six, UEFA Women's Champions League quarterfinal. The second leg between, uh, or sec- yes, second leg in the two-legged tie between Lyon and PSG, both France's League 1. Uh, Lyon had won the first leg nil one but PSG came out on top 1-2, to two, and so the aggregate was 2-2, two, two, and uh, on an away goals tiebreaker, it is PSG advancing. Lyon has not been knocked out this early in ages. Match number 7 was the Netherlands FA Cup Final, Ajax versus Vitesse, and uh, favorites Ajax came out on top 2-1. to one. Congratulations to them on the trophy. Uh, match number 8, we went to the NWSL for Portland Thorns versus OL Reign. That used to be Seattle Reign. They're still in Seattle. Portland came out on top 2-0. And uh, even though there's at least one game to go and two for a lot of the teams, uh, that wraps up the West title for them in the uh, very uh, small Challenge Cup before the regular season begins. 
match number nine. We went to the FAWSL. That's the Women's Super League in England for number B, Manchester United. Uh, hosting number one, Chelsea FC Women, and the result was a 2-2 draw. A Man United goal in the 74th minute kept them within two points of the title, but there's just two matches to go. Uh, for Chelsea, uh, Gal, we said to look for, uh, Sam Kerr scored. Match number 10 was a doozy in South Korea's K-League 1, or at least could have been. It was number B, Ulsan Hyundai versus number 1, uh, Jean Buk. It's early in their season, but this was a good one because they were tied in the table. And the result was a nil-nil draw. Oh, and they weren't tied in the table. Uh, uh, Jean Buk had led by three, but in any case, a nil-nil draw. And then our bonus matches. Explanations coming a little bit later, the end of our podcast. Our route of the week was a Sunday match from North Macedonia's first football league. Last place, Belasica, taking on number one, Shkendia, and the result was an unsurprising nil-three win for Shkendia. Ruben Hebaj had a brace of goals. Then, the most meaningless match in the world was a Thursday match from Australia. We had number eight, Western United, taking on number nine, Wellington Phoenix, and it was a very meaningless 1-1 draw. Interestingly, Western United actually lost a man to a second yellow right at the end of the uh, first half in injury time. Uh, Western will move to number seven now, and they're actually just one spot out of the league playoffs at least, so maybe not quite so meaningless after all. And then finally, our match of disappointed was a Saturday match from the Paraguayan Primera Division. Uh, number 10, Club River Plata taking on number nine, Sol de America, and the result was a nil-two win for the visitors, Sol de America. Nevertheless, these two are still incredibly disappointing and disappointed. Their positions remain the same in the table. And that concludes your episode 29, 10 to track match recap. Now let's get things going once again in the current track with... Match number six. We stay in Europe and head to the continent, to Belgium specifically, for their FA Cup final. So the second most important trophy in the country, based on our match number five discussion. Uh, you may also frequently hear this referred to by its corporate sponsorship, the KNVB Cup. Uh, it's played in Brussels, which is going to be a neutral site. And the winner gets the right to go to the Europa League and start right in the group stage. Now, a little bit of explanation about the league play and this whole become clear it's an importance once we get into talking about the teams. The Belgian First Division A, the first phase of their regular season is done. The top four teams play in the championship round. Now, the top two are going to go to the Champions League. The third best one at the end of that will go to the Europa Conference League. And then the fourth place team will get to go to a European playoff. Now, what that means is they are going to play the winner of the next four teams, they're also going to have their own little uh, subdivision and round robin. So the winner of the fifth through eighth tournament, if you will, will play the fourth place finisher from the championship round. That winner will get to go to the Europa Conference League as well. Confused yet? I'll get a little bit more into it later on, but I don't want to get you dizzy. The matchup, Standard Liege versus Yank. The two, uh, they drew in both their matches in the regular season. Uh, Standard Liege, uh, they are from the city of Liege, which is in the southern part of the country in uh, Walloon, which is the uh, French-speaking part of the country. Uh, the town is number four in size, about 750000 overall in the metro. They've won this particular event eight times, and uh, the most recent one was 2017-18. 
Uh, this year in the first phase of the season, they finished uh, number six. So as you can see, they've got a better chance of just winning this and going to the uh, Europa League than uh, ending up having to fight through to uh, get a Europa Conference League berth, which wouldn't be as a prestigious. Not that they won't try to do that as well, but if they can get this, the other won't matter, which is why I went to the trouble of explaining it. Uh, key guy to look for, I believe, in the box score is going to be Nicolas Gavary. He is from France, and he's one of these guys I like. He spends some time on the defensive side of the ball, yet still gets in on the offensive sides for stack. stats. He is a winger, but very often plays fullback, so very much a box-to-box player. Meanwhile, the other side of the ball, Yank, they are known as, and this has always confused me, the Smurfs, because I'm all about 100% certain that this team is from Flanders, and yet the creator of the Smurfs was from Brussels, which is uh, not anywhere near Yank. So, in any case, their color is blue. They're still the Smurfs. Uh, this is the Dutch-speaking region of the country, Flanders. And the city of Yank uh, is in the eastern portion of that, about 70,000 people. Give some perspective, they are ranked roughly number 57 uh, in all UEFA clubs. Uh, they have won this particular tournament six times, most recently 2012-13. They finished in fourth place in the regular season. So, again, if they can finish in the top three in the league, they'll automatically get at least a Champions League berth and maybe even better. But winning this would secure them at least some sort of international play if they can win the playoff round with the winner of the 5th through 8th place group. In the league, they've got the number 2 offense. Defense lets them down a little bit. They're just tied for number 6, very average in that department. So they're going to need some goals, probably. Number 1 league score is the guy to look for, Paul Onuwacho. He is a uh, Nigerian forward. And then tied for number 3 in assists is a Japanese national, a right winger named Junya Ido. He played here on loan last year, and now he's with them full-time, and he's got 11 national team caps to his credit over in Japan. And we have a USA player connection. Mark McKenzie is a defender, just 22 years old. He's already earned a couple of U.S. men's national team caps. Uh, he was with Philly until uh, January when he came over here to join Yank. Match number seven. Time to switch things up and head to a different association. We're headed to South America, CONMEBOL, specifically Paraguay's Primera Division. Uh, this is largely considered to be the fourth best league in all of South America. Uh, how do they uh, disperse their international berths? Well, each of the stage champions, like most South American and other Latin American countries, they have an opening and closing, or apertura and clausura stage. Each stage champion qualifies for the Copa Libertadores group stage. That's their Champions League. Now, the next best two teams at the end of both stages that have the best overall records but didn't happen to win either of the two stages will also qualify for the CL. They're about two-thirds of the way through the apertura tourist stage right now, and they have one whale of a race shaping up. Uh, your matchup is number one, Libertad, today versus uh, number B, Nacional. Uh, Libertad lead them by just one, and Nacional in turn lead Olympia by one. And then there's two or three other clubs that are all just within uh, one to three points. So this is just anybody's race right now. Uh, as far as these two go, uh, the first time they played this stage, uh, Libertad won on the road, nil three. A little bit about them, one of their nicknames, I've covered them before, and I still haven't learned why they are called this, is Repollero, which 
unless something is lost in the translation or I've got it wrong, means cabbage. Uh, in any case, they are based out of Asuncion. Uh, internationally, in 2006, they made the quarterfinals of the Champions League. That's their best ever finish. They have 20 domestic league titles to their credit, haven't won one since 2017's Apertura stage. Uh, they are historically the third best team in the country. Nacional, their opponent today, is not one of the top two either. There are two teams that have dominated this country for years and years, and they're in third and fourth place right in the middle of this mix. Part of the reason this match is so important. If one of them wants to win, one of them's got to come out of this one with three points. In any case, as far as this year in the league season, statistically, Libertad's got it going on. Second best offense, number one on the defensive side. Uh, key man to look for, uh, tied for number four in league scoring is Oscar Cardozo, a 37-year-old striker. He is known as the Big Cane, as he is six foot four. William Spanish is uh, Takuara, if I'm getting my pronunciation right. European football fans may well recognize him from his days in Portugal. From 2007 through 14, he played with powerhouse Benfica, and I believe he led that league, the Primera Liga, uh, at least two different times. And he's got 54 national team caps, started getting those in two 2006. Uh, meanwhile, Nacional, they are also based in Asuncion, and they are known as the Academy. Uh, this team is very, very strong in its youth development in in youth development in general. Uh, 2014 in the Copa Libertadores, they were runners-up. That's their best finish. They've won nine league titles, most recently in 2009, and the one before that. Long pause because it was a long time, 63 years since they won an annual or stage title of any kind. So uh, welcome back. It's now only been 11 more years. It probably feels like nothing compared to the 63. They've got the third best offense, second best defense in the league and number one league scorer. Leonardo Viagra. CONCACAF fans, outside chance you'll recognize his name. He played for a while with Atletico San Luis, which is currently in Liga MX, but to know him would really be something because at the time they played in the second tier league in Mexico. Match number eight. No rest for the weekend footy weary. We've got another good one on Monday for you. We're headed back to America, the NWSL, the gals top league and welcome to the top flight ranks, Louisville racing, brand new club. And they're going to be playing host to North Carolina courage, perhaps the best team in America. Now they're doing something this season that they did last year because of COVID. I believe take that with a grain of salt, but they're doing it for the second year in a row. They're doing something called the challenge cup to start off the season. Uh, the 10 teams have divided into two groups of five. They're just going to play a single round Robin. The winners of each group will go to the final and then they'll start their 24 game regular season. Uh, you, by the way, you can catch this game on Paramount Plus and it'll be on at uh, six Eastern time. Uh, Louisville, your brand new club. Uh, I don't mind racing Louisville. I get the I get the racing reference because of, you know, the Derby and everything. But they were originally going to be called Proof Louisville FC, which I liked. It's a little clunky, but I liked it because it was unique. But it was really met by the public uh, when they first floated it with very mixed reactions. I don't know if that was a because of the alcohol reference or just, you know, because it doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. Proof, uh, of course, being a reference to uh, alcohol proof, this being bourbon country. I'm also uh, from here right now. In any case, 
I love the crest. Oh my goodness. I don't comment on them too often, but they have a lavender crest. I've never seen the likes of it before with a prominent fleur de lis. It's just gorgeous. Uh, this year, starting out, they've already played two matches. They're 0-1-1. That puts them in last place in the group, but no big deal. They've uh, Other teams have played three already. That's part of the reason they're in last. Uh, they managed a 2-2 draw to start their season um, against Orlando City, and then they uh, lost at Washington uh, 0-1. Uh, the player that I'll mention to look for in the box score, goalkeeper, their captain, Michelle Betos. She's probably going to uh, need to have a clean sheet for them to get away with a win here. And she has been around the soccer block. I love seeing resumes like this. She has played in Cyprus, uh, a couple of different clubs in South America, and both of the clubs in the Pacific Northwest, uh, Seattle and Portland. Uh, meanwhile, North Carolina Courage, uh, they were the Western New York Flash until 2017, and then they moved to Cary, North Carolina. In 2018, they were the first team to ever win both the Supporter Shield, that's the best record in the regular season, and the playoffs, used to determine the overall champion, in the same year. Uh, 17, 18, 2019, they have won the Shield all three of those seasons, and they are the two-time defending overall champs from the playoffs. 1-0-1 they started off this year. They beat Washington 3-2, but then they lost in a real shootout uh, to uh, a team that used to be called Sky Blue, but this year is now uh, New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC. Uh, they've got the best offense in the league running, but as you can tell by these scores, they've also got the worst defense going. Player to look for, Captain Defender Abby Ertzik. I didn't know how to say her name the other time I talked about her, but now I do. Uh, she is from New Zealand. She is a defender. Uh, that name, uh, she is of Croatian Maori descent. So the last name is Croatian. Uh, but I did a little looking and she is, I, I love learning about non-soccer things by looking at soccer. She is uh, from, of Maori descent from a nation or Iwi in the northern part of the island called Napuhi. There's a G in there, but I think the G is silent. And I got to learn that the word Iwi, I-W-I, means nation or tribe for the Maori. Good times. Match number nine. This one's a Tuesday matchup and we head back to Asia one more time to the AFC Cup that we mentioned before for the smaller or soccer developing countries in Asia. And uh, these two are going to be no exception from two of the smaller countries over there. Visaka taking on Lalanak. They are from Cambodia and uh, Timor-Leste, respectively. Pretty sure about the first pronunciation, not as sure about the second one. Uh, now, this is a preliminary playoff game. The winner of this has to play one more game in the playoff round before they would qualify for the group stage. The winner between these two is going to get an Indonesian very good team called Persipura Jayapara. Uh, both of these teams qualified the same way because their league seasons were canceled last year, but apparently they got in their FA Cup tournaments. Uh, so, whether it was the 2019 or 2020 version they are here by virtue of having won in fa cup interestingly now rather than giving you any in-depth details about these two particular clubs this time around i realize that we have not done anything for you from a gambling perspective yet we always try to help you out make a few bucks off this broadcast if you can and for that as always we like to go to our in-house oracle 3500 year old noobstrad He's been around, he has visions from the other side, and he likes to help us with his footy. Tell us what you can, if you can have a vision for us, Almighty oh, Seer. Om. Om. 
into the trance I go. In my mind, I travel through space and time. Whee! This is centuries ago, yet I know this place. I am at the wedding feast of Priya Thong, Kaundinya I, and Niang Nyak, Princess, later Queen Salma. Then, my reputation long since known the world over, I'd had the ear of the unmarried Indian prince. I whispered into it, and he went to the sacred temple and retrieved the magic bow. I mean, how else would you defeat any semi-divine lizard person? Only with this could he defeat the daughter of the king of the Naga. I promised him greatness, of which he had never dreamed if he would do battle against her. Before you judge me harshly, you try telling a prince that he needs to marry a lizard girl in order to establish a kingdom, Funan, that would become modern-day Cambodia. Princes generally have their pick of the ladies of the land, and I've never met one with a reptile fetish. But I, and I alone, knew that he could and must marry her, and the world beyond had spoken to me that sending them to battle together was the only way to get them to fall in love. And for my trouble, I got invited to the extravagant wedding, sure. But where did they seat me? At the kids' table. Just because I happened to have no plus one at the time was no reason to dishonor me so. The Rugrats badgered me for card tricks. Leisure domain. I'm a soothsayer, not some traveling magician. I told them this, and they chased me out. See, League Club Visaka, I see that you are cursed. You will lose one to three in your precious playoff game. I have seen. I have spoken. That was enlightening and colorful. Thank you so much, mighty soothsayer Noobstradamus. Now, a couple quick notes. Uh, first of all, I know a little tiny bit about the mythos from this part of the world that he is uh, referring to in his vision. Uh, the Naga are sort of a demigod or divine sort of lizard people from Cambodian and other Southeast uh, Asian mythos or uh, mytho history, if you will. Uh, in Cambodia in particular, they refer to themselves still to this day as the people of the Naga. Um, depending on which mythos you look at, uh, these were uh, people, quote-unquote, who were almost entirely snake-like snake in nature or sort of reptilian hybrids, which I believe is more uh, on the Cambodian side, or even in some areas, they were considered to be mostly just uh, human-looking demigods that had a little bit of a reptilian nature to them. In any case, there's your Naga reference. Now, the second side note, and this one's a little bit more important uh, for gambling, please bear in mind that A, you want to gamble responsibly, and B, that Noob Stradamus and all the episodes he's helped us has never even gotten a winner right, let alone the score. So, again, gamble responsibly. The more you know. And match number 10. We're done. Finally! 
And we're moving on to Wednesday for our last, at least, official match of the 10 to track. We still have our three bonus matches to go. Super fun. Uh, but this one, match number 10, takes us back to America one more time. CONCACAF to the Champions League. They're having their quarterfinal right now. Uh, this is the first leg of a two-legged tie, meaning that each of the teams facing off are having a home and away series, one game in each place, to determine who advances to the semifinal. And now we're at the point in the tournament where the favorite gets to specifically always host uh, the second leg. So Monterey are your favorites, and they're traveling for this one to start. So it's Columbus versus Monterey of Liga MX. By the way, you can catch this on FS2 if your cable package runs deep enough. It'll be on at 8.30 Eastern time on Wednesday. These two have never played before, and the winner is going to get to play in the semifinal either Toronto FC or Cruz Azul. Columbus. Now, the MLS season, as we discussed earlier in this podcast, has just started. At time of recording, they've only got one match under their belt. Uh, that gives the MLS teams a, a distinct disadvantage, in my opinion. They might be a little bit fresher, but they're also not really in form as a team, necessarily. In any case, they started off with a home draw against Philadelphia. Uh, as far as the Champions League, this quarterfinal stage, they've been here before, but this is as far as they've ever gotten. Uh, to get here this year, uh, they get to womp up on Nicaraguan side Real Esteli, uh, beat them 5 to nothing. Last year in the Eastern Conference, this team finished third best, and then they went on to win the playoffs to become the overall champion, the MLS Cup. Uh, they also did the same thing in 2008, got a star and another trophy. They also won the Supporter Shield in 2004, 2008, 2009. I actually had not realized that this is quite such a historically successful uh, franchise in MLS, so very interesting. I'm new. What do you know? Uh Number two in league scoring last year, and they've still got him, likely man in the match candidate, is Jossie Zardes. He plays forward. He's been uh, earning a lot of national caps for the U.S. since 2015. Uh, another guy to look for in the box score, top 10 in assists last year, Pedro Santos from Portugal, plays winger. Uh, European footy fans would be most likely to know him from his four years with Braga, even though he was loaned out for two of those. And then a guy I've really enjoyed watching, uh, tied for number three last year in goalkeeping stats in the East, uh, Eloy Room. He's Dutch-born, but he represents Curaçao internationally. And the uh, biggest club he played for before he got here was in the Netherlands. He was with PSV Eindhoven. Uh, meanwhile, Monterey, they are known as the uh, Rayados, or Striped Ones. They have four Champion League titles to their credit, and they have won them all since 2010, most recently in 2019. When I say favorite, you can spell it with a capital F. Um, in the Liga MX season, uh, they're currently fourth in the table. It's very le late in the Clausura stage there. They've got the fifth best offense uh, going, tied for the second best defense. I think this is, uh, both teams I think are going to play this first one close to the best. Should be very low scoring. Wouldn't even necessarily be surprised to see a nil-nil draw, to be perfectly honest. Um, second best league scorer tied for that is Rogelio Funes Mori. He's an Argentinian striker. Uh, he's played for a couple of uh, other really big clubs before in Argentina, his home country. Played for River Plate. And he's also been with Benfica in Portugal. Interestingly, and I wonder how this plays for Columbus in terms of how they defend it. So it's going to be a really fun one for me to watch. This team has no one on the leaderboard in Liga MX for assists. So I don't know if that necessarily means that they've got a bunch of guys who are just getting a couple of assists each throughout the uh, the league stage season, or if it means these guys are making their own shots. If it's the latter, I think that they will try to play a very tight sort of man-to-man -man defense and really, really press them.
Key player to look for for this team for this event, if not necessarily one of their league season leaders, is Argentinian Walter Montoya. Uh, he played briefly for Sevilla a few years ago in Liga MX, and he's uh, also been loaned uh, out to uh, Gremio, a very good team in Brazil, and racing club in Argentina. And now it's time to reintroduce a segment that I hope that you will once again enjoy. Now, Noob strives to make this podcast unique with the type of match coverage that we do. Now, that said, we want to give you things that are uh, familiar, some podcast structure. Most podcasts do listener questions. Hey, great engagement technique. Noob, however, is a lazy son of a biscuit and would never expend such effort as to trawl the internet for questions from you or anyone. Why? Because it's just easier to pilfer them from other podcast hosts. This segment is Stolen Mailbag. And eventually we'll have some music or a theme song in there because I like this segment. In any case, the one we've decided to pick on is the Lads or LADS podcast. Uh, They are at at all caps LADS underscore capital P for podcast. They purport to be the best and most accurate soccer podcast in the world. Come hang with Kevin and Martin as they drink and shout at each other about world football. If you like your podcast boozy and full of good information, you'll really enjoy this one. Noob has done so in the past. And don't worry, fellas, I got one of your questions covered for you. Part of Noob's job. You're welcome. Bruno FC 1998 asked, Why are Tottenham so bad? <laughs> oh, longtime fans of Noob going back to the website days will understand why I love this question just so much. He was the first responder in with this particular one for this particular week. The answer is retributive justice. Harry Percy, nicknamed the Hotspur, uh, back in uh, the 14th century, helped depose Richard II, the king, in favor of Henry Bolingbroke. That was uh, 1399. Now, he didn't wait real long to be kind of a scumbag again. Four years later, he was killed at Shrewsbury, uh, leading a rebellion against that guy. So posthumously, two different times, despite having been knighted in life, he has been named a traitor in death. Now, here's how much they here's how much they liked him back then. Uh, the king dispatched Percy's head to York. What did they do with it there? Stuck it on a city gate. Then his four quarters were sent all over uh, London, Newcastle, Bristol, and Chester. And then they were taken down and delivered to his widow. And then they took the lands that belonged to the family and gave them to the king. They named the club after a guy that two different kings named a traitor. I mean, I don't even think this would be as bad, but this would this would have been like the New England revolutions being the New England Benedict Arnolds, but like times at least two. No, retributive justice of a sort. That's why you name a club after a ne'er-do-well like Harry Percy and you're going to get what you deserve. And that is how we do stolen mailbag. And now it's time for perhaps my favorite part of the podcast, the bonus matches. 
So I'll start off by saying thank you very much to those of you who have found me on Twitter. Uh, my handle there is Soccer Noob USA. That's N-O-O-B for the noob portion. In terms of these bonus matches, I put up the candidate matches from all over the world. You vote, and then the content magic happens, as we like to say. Uh, the first of these is a first versus last place matchup. We cover one every week that looks like this, and we call it the... Route, route, route route of 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 the week 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 excellent job daughter person noob the sound effect is impressive as always oh so cute in my opinion but then again i'm biased in any case your route of the week it looks like it's going to be a real blowout uh this is a thursday match you're going to have to wait for it it comes from the moldovan national division and it's number 10 last place Kodru taking on number one perennial behemoth FC Sharif. Now, these teams have already played three times in the league season, and uh, Sharif won on the road, 1-2, close match, and then at home, they won 6-0 both times. Ouch. Six matches to go in the regular season. Both of these teams have pretty much locked up where they are going to finish. Uh, Kodru, the team that's about to become roadkill uh, in Moldovan Romanian, uh, it translates to forest. The town that they play in is uh, Lotsova. Actually, it's more of a village or part of a pair of twin villages, if you will. It's in the central part of the country. Uh, the note that I have here says it's an area of about 7,000. I don't know if that's for just one village or both of them, but in any event, a very small area. Uh, 2019, last season was canceled, was the only time that Kodru has ever been in the top flight in this country. They finished in last place. Somehow that didn't get them relegated. That year they got to play a relegation playoff match against presumably the league winner from Division 2. Might have been some other team, but in any case they won it and they got to stay up. Uh, that ain't happening this time. Uh, and the numbers will back that up. They are 1, 3, and 24 on the year. And the goal differential, woof, 19 goals for in a mind-boggling 95 goals allowed. Are, are they even playing a goalie? I'm not 100% sure. In any case, uh, they are 11 points out of second to last place, again, with six matches to go. And even that team will have to play a relegation playoff match to potentially stay up. And then the 13 points from third to last place. They have lost eight matches in a row, and they haven't won a game since the day before America's Thanksgiving. Uh, what few hopes they have for doing anything in this match... Uh, probably fall to the feet of their all-around best offensive player, but he's only got a couple of goals himself. Team-leading scorer or tied for that, Alexander Damo. He's an Albanian midfielder, just 22 years old, so plenty of time for him to maybe get to a little bit stronger club. Anyway, speaking of stronger clubs, the buzzsaw that is SC Sharif. They are known as the Wasps, and their sting is mighty. They play out of the city of Taraspol, which is the capital of a uh, long, narrow strip of area called Transanistra, and it's a breakaway street uh, state, largely autonomous. It uh, kind of follows in the northeast part of the country, uh, right along the Ukrainian border. And uh, this particular city has about 140,000 people. It was founded 24 years ago, and they've been excellent pretty much from the get-go. They have won this league 18 straight times. Not eight, 
We've seen that earlier in the podcast, 18. Uh, Even so, this is a small enough country that that's not good enough to probably quite put them in the top 100 clubs in UEFA, but they're pretty close. I don't think they've ever quite made the Champions League group stage. They've gotten close. I know they have for the Europa League, but I don't think they've ever gotten to the knockout stage. This year, 25-2-1, and and, uh, their goal differential... uh, is just as impressive as their opponents today, but obviously in a good way. 89-4 and just six against. Uh, Number one league scorer, they've got him, Frank Castaneda. He is a Colombian who spent his last couple of seasons with uh, Senica in Slovakia before coming over here. And I think that they're going to play a wide open game since both of these clubs pretty much have their uh, fates already sealed for last and first place. They're going to play wide open and that's going to allow Cordry to actually get a goal, but they're still going to lose one six. Our second bonus match is the one that I think week to week really sets this podcast apart, quite frankly, from all others. Everybody, including me, likes to talk about the best teams from the biggest leagues or even the best teams from some of the smaller leagues. And then towards the end of the season, we might even occasionally focus on teams at the bottom of the standings before they get relegated. But what other podcast host has the heart to shine a spotlight on two teams that are perfectly equidistant to the table from both international competition berths and relegation zone? A match so special it gets its own theme song. Could you be... The most meaningless match in the world. Yes, you could. You're so boring. (laughs) And it's a Saturday match. You have voted in one from the Croatian First Football League. Say hello to number seven, Šibenik versus number six, Slaven. A Slaven trailed the number three team in the league by a whopping 20 points. No chance they're going anywhere. And uh, they lead uh, Shibanik by two. And Shibanik, in turn, is ahead of the last place team, which is the only one that will get relegated from this league, by six points. Uh, Shibanik lost nil three uh, to this team once. And the other two times they played this league season were draws. A little bit about each. Uh, Shibanik. Uh, this is a town in the south central part of the country, a metro area of about 50,000 is all. It's along the Adriatic coast. Now, most of those cities are very ancient. They were founded by Greeks, Illyrians, Romans. This one may or may not be ancient as well, but I know that this is the only one of the cities along the Adriatic that that was specifically founded by Croats. So a lot of national pride here. They're also known as the Oranges which makes their crest a little bit odd. I believe the main color was mostly blue. Uh, They've only got a little bit of orange even on the crest in a a fairly small soccer ball that's depicted. It's uh, part of the checkered color pattern. But their home kit is a really cool uh, bright tangerine orange. So there you get your name. Uh, They were just re-promoted last year to the top division. They spent the last eight years in the second and even a couple of years in the third division in Croatia Ouch. Uh, 2009-2010 was their best ever league finish. They finished number four. Uh, That said, they have been to the Europa League once, 2009-2010, and they even won a match before they uh, lost to somebody in the second qualifying round. Uh, This team's been in a real slide in league. They haven't won a game since they upset uh, powerhouse Dynamo Zagreb uh, 1-2, which was uh, back in mid-late January. Uh, man to look for, tied for number five in scoring for the league, is Denny Juric. He is a dual national Serbian-Australian forward, just 23 years old. 
Meanwhile, Slavin, your challengers, uh, that translates to students. Uh, their nickname, however, is the pharmacists, but that's basically because of their corporate sponsor, a company called, a uh, drug manufacturer called Belupo. Uh, they play out of the city of Koprivnica. Uh, I'm not sure how big the town is. Not very big, I know. It's in the north, north central part of the country. And uh, the whole county has only got about 30,000 people. Uh, the only chance you would probably have ever heard this place other than footy is uh, throughout the 20th century, there's been a very big food company. It's pretty much responsible for the entire development of the town called uh, Podravka. In any case, they finished number seven last year, uh, tied for number one on team scoring and most likely to be your man of the match should they win, I think, with seven goals on the year is Ivan uh, Kristanovic. She's from Bosnia-Herzegovina, and uh, that's if they can keep him awake. Uh, 38 years old, and he plays attacker, and uh, at, he's still pretty good, and I know he used to be even better because in the mid-2010s, he played for two of the stronger teams in this league, Zagreb and uh, Rijeka. And so at last, dear Nubites, if I may refer to you as such, we have come to the end of our podcast road for the week. And as always, we don't care to end on notes of happiness or joy, but rather on those of wailing and gnashing of teeth, disgustedness at just how awful two club teams can be. You have voted on two of the last place teams in the world that are facing off in the week. This is the match of... Disappointed! <sighs> I try to brace myself each time and... Kevin Sorbo's Herculean disdain for these clubs just never ceases to frighten me a little bit. The match of Disappointed, it's meant to be frightening and saddening and make you think about your life. And it's a Saturday match, and it comes to us out of the Super League of Kosovo, where two teams are going to be automatically relegated, and the third-to-last place team might get relegated. They have to survive a relegation playoff. Like most of non-Northern Europe, they're about three-quarters of the way through the season here. And the matchup is second-to-last place Arberia versus uh, very last place Besa Page. Now, Arberia are about six points from the relegation playoff spot, so all hope isn't totally lost, but it's getting there. There's seven points from true safety, uh, and then they lead uh, Besa Page by 17 points. Oh, they're going down. <laughs> uh, Arberia have won all three of the matchups this season. This will be the fourth and final matchup, as you might imagine. Now, Arberia, if that name, uh, if you think it sounds like Albania, that's not a coincidence. This used to be the name of the country I learned. Uh, the team plays in uh, the district of Lipian, uh, which has an overall population of about 60,000. It's sort of in the uh, central or east central part of the country. I'm not sure how to say the village name. It's only a few thousand. Uh, Dobraja e Made is how I'm going to pronounce it. D O B. R-A-J-E with an umlaut, then E, and then an M-A-D-H-E. The management, my longtime friend, uh, loves when I end up with things that are hard to pronounce. Part of the joy of uh, his production duties is getting to laugh at me. So enjoy that. Much easier to say. They are known as the Red Storm, and they have had a stormy history. I believe they have ceased to exist a couple times since their founding. They were refounded pretty recently, 2016, and for the first time in any of their histories, they made the Super League finally. Um, they were in second place last year uh, when that league season was stopped for COVID. 
This year, they are 7, 6, and 16. They've lost four in a row, and they haven't won a game since they uh, beat Besa Page in uh, late February. Seventh best offense, ninth best defense. Uh, on the scoring leaderboard, uh, they do have a little bit of hope. Uh, Brazilian veteran striker for them, a uh, single named Mark Clay. Meanwhile, Besa Page, I love their name because Page or Peja, depending on whether you use a definite or indefinite article uh, in their native language, uh, is the name of the town. And then uh, Besa means oath. So it's kind of like those sworn to that town. I just think that's cool. Uh, this one is in the uh, western part of the country and is mostly populated by ethnic Albanians and Serbs. And uh, it's, it's a really interesting area because uh, both of those populaces have had nationalistic aspirations centered on this area. Uh, now, the uh, town or village name might mean, or the district name, I should say, Peja means uh, cave or furnace. And it refers to the caves where, very interestingly, Serbian Orthodox hermit monks used to live, uh, very ascetic, uh, in the Rigova Canyon area, if I'm saying it right. Uh, those with wanderlust, others now outside change, you might recognize some of this about this area. The Peak of the Balkans Trail, which runs through three different countries, uh, pretty much runs right through or along this country. And that's something you could do for days with guided tours. Very cool. And paragliding is absolutely huge in this area. Um, this town has even hosted some major competitions, in fact, internationally. As far as the footy, they've actually got seven league titles to their credit. Uh, they won one as recently as 2006, 2007. Oh my goodness, what has happened? Uh, last year, they were in uh, first place when uh, the D2 season ended. Uh, in the league, they've only won twice, two, four, and 23. Worst offense, worst defense. Their only win was against a, a different team from the bottom half. Having that all said, uh, good luck to both. Even though you're all putrid and neither of you deserves it. <laughs> and that'll put a bow on episode 30 of the 10 to track. Thank you to my daughter, Person Noob, for all she does. To the management for his editing and production duties. To Dan, the former Interno Inferno, for his contributions. And most importantly, to you. Thanks for listening. And... Thank you if you wouldn't mind telling people about the show. We endeavor to do this in a way that no one else out there, I don't think, is. And we hope it's a little learning and a lot of fun each and every time. Until next time, have yourself a fabulous footy week. Take care. Hey.